Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson. Joining me, as always, are my wonderful co-hosts, Jonah Hickmore and Corey Travers. It's been a wonderful week, you guys. Slow start, but a great ending. How do you guys do it? Ah, you know, I think any week that ends with the Oilers on top of everything is a fantastic week. So I'm just going to like sit here and glory in the, the good times. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, three and one hard to beat uh obviously only four and oh beats that but uh yeah I mean I probably would have been content I was kind of telling myself as they were trailing the Jets early yesterday with two and two but uh now that they actually won the game I'm like you know what that was that was settling being content with two and two three and one's way better so awesome yeah for sure it was a it was a slow start like I said they lost to the Flames I can't quite remember the score off the top of my head do you guys got the score for that game it was three two so three two no three two and higher scoring than that was it? Oh, uh-huh. I, I just yeah. the last three the last three wins have made me completely forget about that first loss. But yeah, they they came back against the Flames, BM seven one, just absolutely destroyed the Flames in their first loss in the uh, Sutter era, the Daryl Sutter era, part two, I guess. And then they swept the Jets, which was something I was very surprised about. Like they won that first game, but when they went down two nothing in that Sorry. second game, four three, four three was four, the score three, they lost. It was still a close game, still a fairly yeah. close game. But, but yeah, as I was saying, when Edmonton went down 2 nothing in that second game against the Jets, I was kind of just reserved myself to being like, oh, yeah, they're going to split this series. They've been splitting the series with the Jets all year long. And to have them win that, like, damn, it feels good as an Oilers fan to be surprised like that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're just on a heater right now, which is awesome. Uh, after embarrassing Calgary, they really you know carried that momentum into the Jets series. And don't you know. tell them they're on a heater. Just tell them this is their new normal, and they've got to maintain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I think that that could be the truth. You know, like I'm kind of expecting the whole year. I'm like, well, McDavid and Drysaddle are playing like out of their minds, even for them. But I think they just that's just how good they are now. Like they've just become the two best players in the league. Yeah, I don't think you can undercut either of those players. They just seem to just get that much better every season. And uh, I've seen a crazy stat about McDavid having the quickest of to 60 points, I think. Is he at 60 points now? 60, yeah. Jeez, the fastest of 60 points since like the mid-1990s. That's, that's some good players you're outpacing. Like that's better than Crosby, Ovechkin, a lot of guys. So it just shows that he is that generational talent. And Leon Dreisaitl is just... Leon Dreisaitl does even better like when he scored 50 goals a few years ago I was like that's never going to happen again and then he scored 43 the year after and was cut off and probably was going to get to 50 and this year no different he's just insane um that that wonderful weekend put the Oilers up in a tie for first place with the Toronto Maple Leafs we're recording this on a Sunday so as it stands the two teams are tied with 42 points apiece Toronto does have some game in some games in hand but who would have thought the Oilers would have been here after that tragic three-game slide against the Leafs? Just just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that the Toronto exposed the Leafs – or, sorry, Toronto exposed the Oilers a little bit there, but uh, they've kind of gone in opposite directions after the end of that series with Toronto sliding and, and the Oilers playing great. And actually, uh, to piggyback on that McDavid point there, I was looking up on uh, Hockey Reference the other day and using their adjusted points – uh, metric. Uh, McDavid is on p- pace for the most adjusted points, which is like era adjusted for how high the scoring was in the era uh, of anyone other than Gretzky or Lemieux. So better than any 
Yager season, any Crosby season, anything like that, which is pretty crazy. Absolutely insane. Shona, you've been uncharacteristically quiet so far. Yeah, I figured I'd give you an opportunity to talk this time. Like, you know, it can't all be about me. Um, but no, I think, um, I don't know. It's like that. Um, I think if you've watched the Oilers enough, you're like cautiously optimistic, but you're just like, oh, oh, please, please, please just work, right? Just kind of like trying to, to be optimistic and, and to feel really good about where they're sitting, you know, first overall in the, the North, you know, playing these really good, solid, consistent games and, and trying not to, you know, be like, when's it going to end? Because like the Oilers have gone, like Corey said, they've gone on heaters before and then they've come back down to earth. So, you know, no one tell them this isn't their new normal because uh, I like winning things. It's fun. It's, it's an unfamiliar feeling for a lot of the Oilers fan base. I know I, I'm 21 years old. I've been following the Oilers since I was six years old. You're a and I've baby. Seen them. I know I'm just this young little Oilers fan full of hope. Um, but that was Dash a long time ago. Um, but I've been following them for upwards of 10, 15 years. And I've seen them in the playoffs once. So it's, well, I guess twice if you count the play-in round. But I don't know. It didn't really feel like the playoffs. Um so it's nice to have this little bit of success. And when you have Connor McDavid on your team, it seems like it's only a matter of time before you become a team that has that kind of sustained success, like the Chicago's and the Pittsburgh's of past. Right. Yeah, and the argument there is always for Oilers fans that, you know, you'd think that would be it, but they also like, we've, like you said, if you've been here a while, you've heard that same argument with, you know, when they started putting together the kid line and that, right. Like it's only a matter of time before we hit that sustained stride. So, you know, hopefully it's I for think, real this time. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And the, I, the think it's for real. I think these guys are, these guys are pretty for real. Yeah. Well, I think I think, I, it's most. not that I don't think the players are for real, yeah. but you know, I always worry about the combination thereof. Like, is that for real? You know? Well, with, Con- with a talent like Connor McDavid, you have to make sure it's for real because right now it feels really good. Uh, the sustained success recently has garnered the Oilers a lot of attention, kind of uh, in the odds world. Uh, I know a recent money puck forecast had the Oilers at a 10% chance to win the cup. And that was the highest percentage chance of all 31 teams. Uh, they now sit at 7% now. Um, Corey, I know you have some experience in the odds making field. So tell, tell me a little bit about what you think about that 10% mark. Yeah, I don't, I don't think much of that 10%. Uh, not, I mean, I, I really like money puck the website. Um, I don't want to, you know, criticize them too much, but I think that 10% is a little out of left field and it's certainly not in line with what, uh, gambling sites will, will show you based on outright odds where teams like, uh, you know, Tampa Bay and Colorado have much, much better odds. Um, one model that I do quite like looking at is a Dom. I believe it's LeCision from The Athletic uh, has a model that gets updated every day and has the Oilers at about 3%. And uh, they have the breakdown of how, of how likely the Oilers are to get past each round. But even if just kind of, I'm going to take you guys through a little bit of math that I'm quickly doing on my phone here let's say the Oilers I mean he's a nerd (laughs) right exactly that is exactly why uh I feel like it's true facts (laughs) it is it is true facts I'm not being sarcastic I just (laughs) my only tone of voice um so according to Dom's model uh the Oilers have an 86 percent chance of making the playoffs right now let's just say that's 90 because we like to be optimistic 
So 0.9% are not 0.9%, but 0.9, they make the playoffs. Multiply that by, let's say they have about a 55% chance of winning the first round because they'll be, you know, as a two seed, they'll probably play a slightly inferior opponent. Uh, so you're already at um, slightly under 50% chance of making the second round of the playoffs. Now, I imagine they'll be playing a team that the, the Leafs is the most likely situation. So out of all simulations, they'll play the Leafs probably more often than not in that, in that second playoff round. Let's say they're slight underdogs there. Uh, so multiply that by 45%. Uh, we're already at about 22% chance of getting to the, uh, the, the semifinal of overall. Uh, and at that, at which point teams like Colorado or Tampa that, that you know, are, are the stronger teams in the league, Vegas, of course, uh, will be favored against the Oilers in a series. So let's say they have about a 40% chance of winning that series. So multiply, add that 40% on, and we're right now at about uh, 8 or 9% chance of making the Stanley Cup final. And then again, in the Stanley Cup final, you'll be about a 40% at best uh, chance against whoever they're facing. Uh, so multiply that by another 0.4 and all of a sudden we have the Oilers at 3.5% of winning the Stanley cup. And I was being a little bit optimistic. I feel with some of those odds. Uh, so yeah, three, 4% sounds about realistic, uh, 10% or I think money puck has them down at 7%. That seems very, a little out of whack with, with what we, we do know and what we can tell from what gambling sites are going to let you bet on the Oilers at. And, uh, and what other models say. So I, I, I take that 10% with a rather large grain of salt. But yeah, they have a 3 or 4% chance of winning the Stanley Cup, which is actually pretty good. Uh, Can I uh, just say I liked that 10% number better? It, it was is like better. Yeah. Way more uplifting personally. So, I mean, you know, like, oh, you have a 10% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Well, like 10% on your... Uh, you know, on an assignment or like, you know, 10% of anything is not great. But when you think like, you know, for us or for them to get 10%, how many other teams have to have 0%? That makes me feel far better about this 10% than the 3.5 Corey's just walked us through. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, here at Copper and Blue, we kind of do like to be more logical than a lot of other places. I'm not going to toot our own horn here. but no, I, I feel like we're pretty good at, at getting, getting to logical conclusions most of the time. And that's I've, a, I've enjoyed being a wet blanket for several seasons, guys. But... Well, yeah. <laughs> remember that three and a half percent assumes that the Oilers are not the best team in the league. Of course, you want to say they're the best team in the league, which, hey, maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, yeah, of course, that's a lot higher. So maybe hey, we, money pops right. We won right. Connor McDavid with 12% chance. So that 10% chance leaves some hope. We that's have true. some experience with those odds, right? Um, yeah, I, I loved your, your explanation. You went really in depth there and, and kind of gave us a walkthrough about how this works. I, I do think you're being a little optimistic with the, with the semifinal teams like Vegas and uh, Colorado. They are very well-built teams. They're not strong in just one area. They're strong in all areas. So For sure. uh, I mean, it's, say... it's unlikely that the Oilers would even have a 40% implied probability of winning a series against Vegas or Colorado right now, but for the sake of, of easy yeah. math, I just wanted to go with big round numbers. So can I just yeah. say, I I'm also a little appalled that, uh, you know, Vegas fans really haven't had to suffer at all. Like as a franchise team, oh, I feel awful. like they were supposed to come in and they were supposed to be awful for a few years. So their fans could get really like toughened up to like they, what they losing were supposed looks like to be easy wins. Instead, we were the easy wins. <laughs> 
I'm a little scared of what uh, Seattle's going to look like. Not that I like just their logo and their their marketing's fantastic out in Seattle. So if they're if they're you know as smart with their players, I think Seattle that. will be a lot more likable than Vegas off the bat. That's yeah, just but my I'm just saying, opinion. like, what, my, what I'm afraid of is, like, are they as smart as Vegas? Like, are these franchise teams going to be, like, smart now instead of easy picks? You know what? I actually think Seattle, I think Seattle will be, like, similar in their savviness to Vegas. I think a lot of other teams around the league will be smarter, though. They'll look at what happened with Vegas and be like, we're not, we're not I'm going to I'm just saying, I, I don't like this idea where expansion teams don't have to suck for at least three years before they're allowed to be good. <laughs> Like, like it's D- not- Dale Talon's no longer around. He can't yeah. gift them with like two of their top five scores. I think Preston's on to something there. I think Seattle's actually, based on what I've heard about their front office building, I think they're going to be an incredibly smart team. But I just think everyone has learned their lesson a little bit from the whole Vegas fiasco. Yeah, I think a lot of the GMs team. overthought it, right? I would just really, can we not get an easy team? Right? I know we've got some that are. And we've been that team. Like, the, that's the thing is the others have been that, like, easy win team for a lot of years. So it would be nice if somebody else out here in the West would kindly, yeah, like... some bad teams here that aren't the others. Then we got we got San Jose. We got uh, Anaheim just doing absolutely terrible. Coyotes are in a downward spiral. I don't see them getting better in the recent... <laughs> recent or next... Point. Years, so. Points. Like, these are all very good, uh, poor teams. But they haven't been, like, you know traditionally like san jose and anaheim mm. have had okay i got nothing for you on arizona arizona's just arizona but um, um but traditionally like anaheim and san jose have been slightly better contenders than yeah. um they have yeah, been they, in the last definitely in the last like 20 years here san jose and anaheim were pretty top dogs for a long time and seeing them down below the the, the bottom of the standings is a little jarring but a little more hopeful considering that the pacific division is probably going to, going to be reunited next season and hopefully a Seattle team that's not nearly as great as the Vegas team. I just, I don't feel it. I don't feel you get to go like deep in the playoffs in your first year of existence. There should be a rule. (laughs) You're Um, getting their hopes up too high, too high. Bring it back. Seattle's going to be so disappointed when they're just a middling team. Uh, Switching gears here. uh, Jesse Pugliarvi. He's been like my, one of my favorite players on the Oilers this year. And I feel like with every new game he plays, he's picking up more and more fans, not just inside the Oilers fandom, but with like other fandoms as well. Does he, he's such a likable player. So I'm going to pose this question to you. Is Jesse Pugliarvi one of the most likable players in the league, if not the most likable player in the league? I really like his dog. He's got a really cute dog the dog and him match personalities i feel like i mean i just oh he's just like my sister will jokingly tell you i had no use for connor mcdavid until he got a dog and then i was like oh your dog's adorable so like puyarvi's winning mad points with me he like went out and got himself an adorable puppy this this winter so like go for it you can be you can be up there in the most like good for him (laughs) i saw uh, like anzai kopitar has like the uh, awesome dog I remember I know, they, I know but like Twitter a couple of years I, ago. I feel like that, that would be a, can't like everybody with a cute dog that would just be yeah that's fair <laughs> but that's here's fair. the thing here's the thing that separates Puliarvi and his dog the most I <laughs> no one else embodies that that dog like attitude as much as Puliarvi Puliarvi is like the human equivalent of a golden retriever oh he's just so pure I love him so much he's I, also Corey, got 
unlimited sure. energy. I mean, on the four check, he's relentless, which is oh, awesome just from a pure, like, actual bringing it back to a hockey <laughs> discussion. A <laughs> little, like, we're, so um, you said on the four right check, he's relentless, about... and all I could see is basically Preston going, Jesse, fetch. <laughs> oh, I know. I love him so much. Speaking uh, of Cooley of RV, I got uh, so I used to work for the Bakersfield Condors briefly. Um, and when Cooley RV was playing for the Condors, I was working for them. And after a game, I was having a couple of beers at the hotel beside the stadium. Cooley RV was there with a few of the other players. And I shit you not, I saw him order two burgers and fries and two like entree chicken Caesar salads for himself. And I would assume ate them all. So it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I think he could give Joey Chestnut a run for his money. And uh, ever since that, I was like, wow, this guy's, this guy's going places. Yeah, that's, that's legit. That's, that's we, not, are, um, we have, we have such a, a standard Preston. I'm all about his dog and Carter's all about like how much he can eat. Like and the just standard just how and, adorable he is. And copper and blue here is yeah. <laughs> diverse. Uh, yeah. And hey, he has the mouth for that type of appetite too. Yeah. I thought that smile, or I thought the smile was the only great thing that come that came out of that uh, that ginormous mouth of his. But apparently, he can put some food away too, which is encouraging. Say, like, and, and and fans wonder why we get the most eclectic top twenty fives they can think of. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, I I just love Puliarvi. I think you guys have gotten that point at this uh, at this moment. I've been gushing about him quite a bit just about how adorable he is, but he's also a great hockey player. He's finding his confidence and it's just so nice to see a, a solid player like him uh, start to click at the NHL level after a few years where we didn't really know if that was going to happen or not. So I just, I love it. It's great. And uh, now that I've gushed about Pooley RV, I'm going to throw it to an ad. We'll be right back right after this. All right, we're back, and uh, we ended that last segment with uh, a bunch of love towards Jesse Pugliarvi. It was kind of a lighthearted segment, but now we're going to turn gears into some more contentious area. We're going to talk about some future contracts on the Oilers and what they could look like and if the Oilers should even give them out. First person I want to talk about is not who you might expect. It's going to be Adam Larson's future with the Oilers. He struggled a little bit out of the gate. He has uh, kicked it into high gear, though, lately, and he's been one of the Edmonton, Edmonton's best uh, defensive defensemen, I think. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Do you think we should sign this guy or let him walk in free agency? Yeah, I, uh, I agree with your assessment of him. He's been pretty good, um, and I've never really been a huge fan of his, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think he's really – his play has warranted a lot of fans, uh, for the most part, while he's been here. Uh, not that he's, you know, not a <laughs> – NHL level player or anything, but he's just, you know, not quite we, what we expected. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He has played pretty well this year in his own end. Um, I just don't love the idea of keeping him around too long uh, based on his age, which like, he's not that old, but I just don't really see a lot of value in keeping guys who were not elite in their twenties well into their thirties or even past the age of 30 at all um we do have a lot of mouths to feed on the blue line we have a lot of guys who are you know deserve a shot at getting in the lineup and because everyone's playing pretty well right now like Evan Bouchard hasn't seen the ice in quite a while and I just think if you can avoid paying a guy a decent chunk of money and just have one of your young guys who's not really making any money right now come in and do a similar role I would kind of lean 
on doing that, uh, especially since I think there's a decent chance that Adam Larson starts to regress a little bit over the next few years as he does age and slows down a little bit. He's not the most fleet of foot to begin with. Yeah, I, I think Corey's got a couple really good points in that, you know what, um, this is still a business. Like, I know um, whatever, like, emotional investment fans have in Adam Larson, if you can find someone who does what Larson does for cheaper, you know, just as well, like, um, economics dictate you you go with that guy. Um, that being said, I mean, I think that Larson's not going to expect a small contract at the end of his term. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, hey, you know, you want to take a team-friendly deal for a couple of years? That's not kind of what he's finishing this contract term looking for. So um, I just think that um, – and it's the same thing, I think, with Barry, which is the contract everyone thought we were going to talk about. Um, you just have to be careful. Like, if you're going to sign them, I'm not saying don't sign them, but if you're going to sign them, oh, God, I have cats. They have now stolen the hair tie, and there will be cat mom in roughly half an hour, um, which might be how I feel about the Adam Larson contract if it's too big. Um, but, like, you've got to be careful because that's cap that you can't get back, right? Like, and it's harder to move when... Um, we hear it again and again and again when players start to get older, when they're, you know, 29, 30, 31, 32, you know, especially as defensemen, a little different for the goalies, I guess, but especially as defensemen and forwards, you want to be careful how long your, your contract's rolling for them and how much you're paying and what the conditions on those last years are, right? So if you could get Adam Larson to sign a really team-friendly deal with the expectation that he'd be giving up minutes as he went to younger guys as they came in, 100%. But yeah. I don't think you're getting that. So, uh... yeah, you have to take that into account. And you have to also think about the Oilers have a, a clogged right-handed defenseman pipeline right now. <laughs> like most likely coming down the roll here, um, it's going to be Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard, and then Adam Larson's probably your third right-pairing defenseman. So you don't want to be paying him like he's a top four because he probably won't be that. In, in you don't even want to be paying time. him like he's a top-pairing defenseman because he's not going to be that. Right? Yeah, so sure. I think if you can get the money right, like it's a very fine line. Like I said, he's going to be a third pairing guy probably. But you don't want to sign him to too much for too long because that just hampers you. And I think the, the we can echo the same about Barry. He's been fantastic. I've, I've loved Barry this year. I'm not saying I hate Barry. I think he's been great for what he is. And he's given Oilers a different dimension. But at the same time, he's on the wrong end of uh, the age spectrum. He's 32, I believe. And he's going to want big money after this on a long term. And I just don't think the Oilers can accommodate that. Yeah, no, agreed. Totally. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of depressing sometimes when, of course, we're talking about Larson, who's 28. Uh, but of course, once he signs the deal, like you're, you're buying years into his thirties. And I just, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, years into your thirties for guys who are arguably, you know, even next season, maybe not a top four defense. Yeah, it is a pretty dicey situation. Um, well, and you know, that's the thing is if you could get a bridge, a, a reasonable price bridge contract, but Larson's not in that stage yeah. of his career. So you're he's, not going to get a reasonable looking for price a legit bridge contract. contract. Yeah. Well, okay. So, they're all legit contracts, but he's going to be looking for like that, you know, heavy one, that career maker yeah. one, right? <laughs> Which um, you would have thought would have been the last one, but you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I've always had a soft spot for Larson. I think he, he's been okay for his tenure here um i was raking on him such a such a rousing endorsement he's ah, okay the oilers man i can't get too excited about depth players all the time 
Um, but that's not supposed to be a depth player, right? Like, yeah, Larson wasn't brought in to be a depth player. And I think yeah. if you want to recast him as a right, depth player, you're here, better to let him walk. That we're going to be talking about contract. Yeah. And then uh, uh, bring him back in a, at a later one date. that a lot more people will be paying attention to. Ryan Nugent Hopkins due up for a contract at the end of the year. Uh, Ken Holland has been in contact with the, the RNH camp and they're both looking for a deal that works. He wants to stay as an oiler, but that money's got to be right. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a little bit different than the, than the Larson situation. I know he's not an absolute game changer on the McDavid or, or dry side of level. I mean, pretty much no one in the league besides those two guys and, and a few others are. But, uh, I mean, he still moves the needle quite a bit. And it's one of those situations where, you know, sometimes maybe his ask might seem a little bit high, but you have to have a good idea for how you want to use that money. You don't want to just have, oh, cool. Like we didn't, we said no to Ryan Nugent Hopkins at 7 million, six and a half million, whatever he's asking for. Uh, and now we don't really have good use for that money. And we're just buying a bunch of depth guys, none of whom really move the needle at the top of the lineup. So you do have to pay sometimes a little bit more and maybe more than you would like for a guy who is really going to make a difference because there's not that many guys available every off season. Uh, so in that case, I find Ryan Nugent Hopkins might be in a bit of a stronger position for negotiating. Uh, that being said, you can't pay him an amount that'll hurt the team for years to come. Uh, he's, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is to me still a baby, but he is 27. So his next contract will take him into his thirties. Um, He'll probably have performance for the first few years. It is, it's gross as hell. I, like, <laughs> he seems so young to me. I know. It's um, like when we talk to Preston Corey and he's like 21 yeah. and I'm just like, you're a baby. I'm just a child much. over here. <laughs> but I mean, he, he grew up on Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Which is oh crazy. yeah. He's, I was 11 yeah. years old when they drafted him. Wow. Which, uh, which is pretty wild, I guess, for you guys to hear. But yeah, I agree with you. Oh. <laughs> I feel old. Uh, I, I feel real old. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, though, Corey. Um, you, you don't find a lot of game changers here in the NHL that are available and can put up the points that uh, Nugent Hopkins has in the past. I think you look at the, the ceiling of a contract like that and you say, begrudgingly, 6.5. That's my ceiling in the flat cap world for a player like him. Um, and then yeah. you have to weigh the options saying, well, do we have a shot at Taylor Hall? Maybe he this poor season puts him at a, a, a vastly lower price tag. Well, and- I think that's the other thing is you have to, I think, and I might go a little higher than you, Preston, or Anderson Hopkins. I might go up to seven because there's a couple of things I think Hopkins has over um, someone like Hall or someone you'd bring in, like a, a top six, a top six player that can move the needle and produce for your team. And, you know, if you're... Um, Teams are like um, any sort of group and you don't want to do too much turnover at once, right? Like you, if you lose too much continuity, you lose too much um, of the systems of, and then they just like, it's why every off, after every off season, you're like, you guys hockeyed together for 82 games last year. Why don't you look like it? Right. So like Hopkins has been with this team in a variety of iterations and he's quite, um, quite familiar with it and he's quite comfortable in it. Right. Like he's played with, most of the players you're going to try to keep in that top six. And he's, well, he may not blow the, the barn doors off with them. He's still solid with them, which we have no indications if Hall could do right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I would lean towards, you know, a known quantity for the Oilers in this case, like, you know, 
the other one I would look at is if you're doing contract negotiations with Hopkins, what are, uh, what are the math whizzes like Corey saying, you know, um, players like him are going to be worth in the, you know, in the free agency. Is it going to be like that 10 million freaking goalie contract that price signed? Like, what are people going to be paying? Because I can't imagine you know, in the flat cap world that it would be out of this world. I mean, seven kind of seems like a number that I that I would begrudgingly pay. I mean, you try to get them for cheaper. I, I hate yeah, rooting well, I against our players getting money. Uh, you know, okay. but Corey, I never said I wouldn't thing. pay him less if I could get away with it. I mean, I'm not paying him anything. Daryl Cates is so he can you know if there wasn't a salary cap, yeah, uh, Daryl Cates is actually not it's generally like the, the, the poor beluga Oilers fans that pay like $97 to sit on the top row of <laughs> well that's <laughs> money that Cates is taking in and then giving it but at the end of the day if Cates you know received no Oilers related revenue he would still have to pay the rest of his you know, I know, but contract. what I'm saying is if the Edmonton market weren't a viable market, Kate's wouldn't still have this team here. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah. And so, it, it'll, he'll never, he'll never move it because like he, I know he's bluffed in the past, but it's just. Well, that worked so well. Preston, yeah. you remember that one? You would have been about what? 16? Oh, I was, uh, oh yeah. I was, I remember <laughs> that happening and I was, uh, uh, like the sad Charlie Brown music in my backyard shooting tennis balls at my net. And I was very upset. About I don't know. It. I, I, I don't remember- understand anything. The thing I remember most is the full page apology he had to take out. Oh, God. He got no, so I was up riled. in Northern Alberta being sad about it. Um, as Oiler fans back then usually were. So it wasn't anything new to me. <laughs> like we had sad and angry down, right? Corey, we've got sad. We've got sure. angry. We've got, <laughs> we're trying um, out hopeful and joyous. That, that would be fun. That'll be a fun I era like if so we can far, get to yeah. that. Um, I, I, I think it's hard to say what the Nugent Hopkins camp expects since he's been with this Oilers team. He's the longest serving member on the team right now. He's going to expect some sort of like, they've got to pay him something, right? They can't shortball this guy. He's, he's, well, Oiler fans adore this work. guy. <laughs> I know it's, it's a, it's a weird situation and uh, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, we're running a little low on time here. So I think that's going to be able to uh, almost do it. We're going to talk a little bit about the Montreal series before we leave. Uh, it's a big week for the Oilers. They have three against the Montreal Canadiens, and then they have a Toronto series right after. Is Boo this leaves. the most important week of the season for the Oilers? Your thoughts, you guys? Oh, I mean, well, so uh, far, yeah. I, I, as the season keeps going, there's probably going to start to be some more important weeks. But, yeah, these are huge. I mean, Montreal is a little behind the Oilers, but, uh, you know, on paper, they're a pretty good team, a team capable of catching the Oilers in theory. I still like the Oilers' chances this week. Uh, and then, you know, Toronto, we got to get back on them on Saturday uh, and, and show that, you know, they're not just going to own us every time we play. So, yeah, it's a huge week. Uh, but I still like the Oilers' chances to win three out of four, let's say. Yeah, let's do I, it. Uh, We're rolling. Yeah, I think uh, Montreal, you know, Montreal play hard. Montreal's had some really not-so-good games in the last week and a half, ten days. So I think they'll play hard, but I think that the Oilers can still, like, like at least two of those three out um and i just really like to beat the leafs like the leafs yeah that's uh, that's gonna do it for us today oilers coming up on a huge week like we just said they have three against montreal let's hope they go three and oh why not we we lowballed them on the ottawa series and they went you know what let's keep lowballing them because then they seem to feel like we need no 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 more lowballing they're winning every game from here on out thank you guys for listening 
This has been the Copper and Blue Podcast, Episode 3. We'll see you next week.